The Smearing of Doug Wilson I was hoping not to wade into the gutter with the critics of Douglas Wilson, who, in IFI's view, is one of the most important truth-tellers on the corrupt American scene. But the calumny hurled at Wilson is so manifestly unjust that we cannot remain on the curb any longer. For those who don't know Douglas Wilson, he is a faithful, wise Christian, a theologian, and pastor of Christ Church in Moscow, Idaho, with the increasingly rare gift for foreseeing where intellectual trends are leading both the church and the culture, and for fearlessly warning against these trends. He is a brilliant writer with a gift for incisive metaphor and biting satire, which he has employed to critique, among many other things, toxic feminism, toxic unmasculinity, unbiblical egalitarianism, the failure of churches to apply biblical church discipline, and pomosexuality, that is, postmodern sexuality, including transcultism. Wilson is semi-regularly attacked in an unholy effort to destroy him by false allegations, innuendo, lies of omission, and idiotic, out-of-context memes. All of these tactics are aided and abetted by the poor reading skills of Americans, a stubborn refusal to do the hard work of closely and objectively examining sensationalistic allegations, and a faux-Victorian sensibility that sends some to the fainting couch following an encounter with toasty rhetoric, as opposed to church lady-approved milk-toasty rhetoric. The most recent attack comes by way of that purveyor of wisdom and virtue, Vice Magazine, or, as Wilson aptly calls it, Vile Magazine. In an article titled, Inside the Church that Preaches Women Need to be Led by a Firm Hand, Feminist and opponent of theological orthodoxy, Sarah Stankorb, admits to interviewing only, quote, 12 former and current church members and Logos students. Logos School is the K-12 school founded by Christ Church. For some perspective, Christ Church currently has 900 members. Logos School has 562 current students and 583 alumni. And the college affiliated with Christ Church, New St. Andrews, currently has 196 undergraduate students and 40 graduate students and has issued over 500 Bachelor of Arts degrees. Anyone could find a dozen disgruntled complainants from among well over 2,000 to gripe about any institution, pastor, or teacher. Stankorb refers to the, quote, communal ecosystem, end quote, in Moscow, Idaho, composed of, quote, the K-12 Logo School, a publishing house, Canon Press, an unaccredited pastoral ministry program, Greyfriars Hall, and a private college, New St. Andrews, end quote. Take note of the adjective slash pejorative, unaccredited, intended to tacitly discredit the pastoral ministry program, Leftists are all googly-eyed about accreditation. I guess this makes Moscow, Idaho, similar to the communal ecosystem found in the Hyde Park neighborhood in Chicago, where Stank Orb would find the pre-K through 12 University of Chicago Lab Schools, a publishing house, the University of Chicago Press, the accredited, ooh, ah, 
University of Chicago Divinity School, and a private university, the University of Chicago. Maybe, just maybe, Christians want the freedom and ability to do some of the things leftists who control K-12 schools, most colleges and universities, and publishing companies enjoy. Stankorb tells the story of a woman called Jean who details her abusive marriage, implicating unnamed leaders of Trinity Reformed, a Christchurch plant, as facilitators of her abuse, none of whom were Doug Wilson. Jean, whose real name is not used, alleges that since she divorced her husband and left Christchurch, her car has been vandalized multiple times and she's been called whore, bitch, and cunt online. None of the miscreants have been named, and neither Stankorb nor Jean provided any evidence that Doug Wilson or Christchurch leaders or parishioners were involved in any of these offensive acts. The pseudonymous Jean also told Stankorb that an unnamed man in Christchurch, quote, told her a man is allowed to rape his wife, end quote. Again, not Wilson. And the article did not say that Jean even shared this comment with Wilson, who has made it clear that he abhors marital rape, as does every other decent man. Stankorb brings up two of Wilson haters' favorite stories, and she does what all Wilson haters do. She gives astonishingly short shrift to very complicated stories, several of whose central characters have lied, not Wilson, and subsequently admitted to lying, not Wilson. Stankorb likely, and correctly, assumed that very few readers would take the time necessary to research these stories in depth. The Bible commands Christians to judge with righteous judgment. So, if you go to this article online, I've provided a link to information provided by Wilson on these two controversies for those interested in seeing evidence before forming judgments. And also, I provide a link to information provided by Wilson on other controversies ginned up by secular leftists and Christians who hate complementarianism and piquant rhetoric. I must acknowledge that Stankorb is a skillful writer, and by skillful, I mean cunning. She writes in such a way as to be able to claim she was truthful while still tainting Wilson's character through innuendo and critical omissions. Stankorb, whose previous articles expose her personal animus toward theological orthodoxy, goes on to criticize Wilson indirectly by criticizing his father, the liberal townies' feelings about Christchurch's land purchases, Christchurch's disciplinary policies and theological positions, and Logos School's dress code and biblical beliefs on the nature and roles of men and women. Another of the Wilson critics, cited by Stankorb, is Sarah Bader, who identifies herself as a cult-fighting atheist and humanist. As evidence of just how dishonest Bader is, she posted the following quote on her Twitter account, implying it was about Wilson, and I quote, Let me be clear, strange grown men cannot go around bending near pubescent girls over desks to spank them, then be surprised when somebody brings up the obvious sexual element, end quote. That quote was not written by Bader, and it was not about Wilson. It was written by another woman Stankorb cited. 
Kamala Niska. On her Facebook page on September 29th, 2021 at 8.12 a.m. And it wasn't written about Wilson, but about a former Logos teacher and current superintendent, Matthew Whitling, whom Niska alleges spanked her to get his sexual jollies. Those who aren't members of the Believe All Women Club would need more than this to condemn Whitling. Moreover, there is no allegation from Niska that Wilson had any knowledge of the alleged spankings when they were taking place. One of Wilson's essays that popped the eyes and twisted the knickers of some Christians was a rip-snorting critique of the morally repellent, heretical Lutheran pastor, Nadia Bowles-Weber, the tatted-up supporter of ethically-sourced porn and all other forms of sexual deviance, about whom I wrote three years ago. Three years ago, in an arrogant effort to mock sexual purity by mocking purity rings, Bowles-Weber asked her disciples to send their rings to her, after which she melted them and had them sculpted into a statuette of a vagina, which she ceremoniously presented to feminist icon Gloria Steinem. In analyzing this act, Wilson used the word that best describes the shockingly evil, obscene rebellion against God's creation and moral order to which Christians have become desensitized. He wrote, quote, Bowles-Weber most certainly does understand symbolism, and she also understands, just as well, the utter inability of conservative critics to read or understand what she is saying by that symbolism. Here we have two feminist women created by God to be the image and glory of man, and in high rebellion against that glory, one of them makes a symbolic idol out of purity rings in order to celebrate impurity. So let me tell you what this symbolism really means. This is what they, Bowles-Weber and Gloria Steinem, are saying. They are shamelessly declaring to the world that they are just a couple of cunts, end quote. Wilson was decidedly not calling any women cunts. He was saying that's what Bowles-Weber and Gloria Steinem are, in effect, calling themselves, and by extension, all women. To boldlerize their work by prettifying the description would be to allow Christians to continue in their blithe indifference and inadequate responses to the gangrenous rot that now engulfs America's children. Some Wilson critics argue that using the C word in any context constitutes a violation of the biblical command that Christians are to be above reproach. But on what basis are they claiming his use of the C word in this context is a reproachable sin? Because they don't like his use of it in this context or in any context? I suspect some of these critics would find it a reproachable sin if Wilson called women fat or lazy cows, as the prophet Amos does. I suspect some of these critics would find it a reproachable sin if Wilson were to talk about the unfaithful as whores who lust after lovers with genitals like donkeys, whose emissions were like those of stallions, as Ezekiel does. I suspect some of these critics would object to Wilson comparing in contemporary language, the unfaithful to women who melt down gold and silver to sculpt into a male object with which to have sex, as Ezekiel does. 
Some of Wilson's critics cherry-pick scripture to condemn Wilson, but ignore the part about exposing the unfruitful works of darkness. Do they agree with C.S. Lewis that Christians, quote, must be trained to feel disgust and hatred at those things which really are disgusting and hateful? Are those pastors who refuse to boldly condemn homoerotic acts and relationships, same-sex marriage, fornication, and cross-dressing, guilty of reproachable sin? Are those pastors who refuse to boldly condemn public schools that introduce homosexuality and cross-sex impersonation to children, guilty of reproachable sin? What about those pastors who say and do nothing while children in their own congregations are educated in institutions that teach them that evil is good? Are they guilty of reproachable sin? Are pastors who use incorrect or socially constructed pronouns that embody lies guilty of reproachable sin? Once Christians make repeated public indictments of a fellow Christian, pride can begin to creep in, providing an incentive to maintain their position even in the face of countervailing evidence. In fact, pride incentivizes closing their eyes and plugging their ears to countervailing evidence. As the saying goes, this isn't Wilson's first rousing rodeo. He's been attacked before by both the evangelical right, of which I am a part, and the secular left. Some of the rage against him is now spilling over onto Illinois Family Institute. We are accused of inviting him to speak and promoting his work. Guilty as charged. We have invited him to speak, and we promote his work because we believe he is one of the truly good guys in the cultural war between light and dark and we have examined the allegations against him and found them false. We have looked at the biblical consonants of his words, the soundness of his prognostications, the wisdom of his advice, and both sides of the allegations against him, and believe he is more than worthy of support. We at IFI are accustomed to attacks generated ultimately by the father of lies, whose goal is to marginalize and destroy truth-tellers. Satan delights in destroying the ability of Christians to expose the unfruitful works of darkness and to preach the whole gospel, including the culturally inconvenient bits. While some Christians may not like Wilson's writing style, many others do. Both the content and style inspire and embolden them. What those who detest his style believe is not merely that Wilson should not write the way he does, but that no Christian should. They probably hate Juvenile and Jonathan Swift, too. For your edification and enjoyment, if you go to this article online, at the bottom, there are some links to videos of IFI events with Pastor Doug Wilson, several of which are him answering critical cultural questions that are important at this time in our culture.